You're listening to the U.S. Glass Magazine's special daily podcast, Glass Industry Update, The Coronavirus. I'm your podcast moderator, Chris Bunn. This podcast is designed to bring you the latest industry news surrounding the business disruptions in our industry caused by the worldwide pandemic. Be sure to check in daily for a new podcast with the latest updates. And now I'll turn it over to Deb Levy, publisher of U.S. Glass, who will give you an update and introduce our special guest. Well, thanks, Chris. Chris and I are thrilled to be here today with Paul Bieber. Uh, Paul has been a U.S. Glass Magazine columnist and one of our most popular columnists for many, many years now. And I think one of the things that makes his columns so uh, educational and enjoyable is the fact that he is always focused in real-world problems. Uh, Paul, for many years, was the executive vice president of Floral Glass, uh, one of the largest fabricators in the country and definitely the largest fabricator in Long Island, New York. And Paul's had an experience, had experiences in all parts and all phases of running a fabrication company. So, Paul, we are thrilled to have you here today. And I am very proud to be with you, Deb and Chris. Well, thank you for joining us. And and we were kind of communicating over email the other day saying, usually this time of year, we're we're already starting to trash talk each other on the Mets versus the Nationals, but that's not happening this year either at this point because of the virus. So so we'll have to delay baseball a little bit. Well, we t- tomorrow is opening day. So my wife is making hot dogs for dinner. And right now I'm wearing orange and blue in honor of my Mets. Okay, so you're all ready. Yes, it was very painful for me to cancel all the arrangements that we had for uh, opening day as well, but we'll get there. Uh, You know, it's funny how you really want something like a baseball opening day to come, and yet you realize that when you're looking at being open right now in the midst of everything that's going on around the COVID-19 pandemic, that it brings just some amazing challenges for fabricators that other segments of the industry don't have. So I'm just very curious, you know, because you have all these years of experience, um, for any, uh, if you were still doing that job today, what Paul, if I could ask, what would some of the first things that you would need and want to take care of in a situation like this be? Well, I, I strongly believe health before revenue. I would make sure my employees, if they were working, if the government, we were in three states, New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey, if the states allowed us to be in business, I would make sure we had the proper distance between people. Uh it would be pretty hard to run a tempering line or a laminating line without being close to people. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't know how many of our customers would even be in a buying situation. Uh, it would be fairly much for emergencies more than stock production and job work in progress. You know, that's a really interesting point to me because until now I had – thought, okay, you can create an additional distance in a plant, but you're right, for clean rooms and other such things, you really don't have those kinds of options in terms of space available to you, do you, Paul? No, it's, uh, especially when two, two workers are carrying a light of glass together, uh, you can't move six feet away. Uh, so it is, it, it, the, the health would still be the biggest single question 
and with the lack of masks and the lack of uh, proper gloves, it would be very questionable to be able to run a, a good-sized fabricating plant. You know, one of the things that um, I've heard this week and I've gotten a few calls on as well are some of the differences in how different fabricators are handling this crisis, if you will. Uh, I got a call from someone on the West Coast the other day who said that they were going to close. They wanted to close, uh, but their two nearest competitors who overlapped with their product by about 70% were not closing. So this fabricator said to me, how do you do the right thing when your competitors are not doing the right thing? And, you know, as our readers know, Paul, you are always a person that that, uh, gives us the answer that's the right thing. So I'm going to ask you how you handle a situation like that. Well, I would ask my employees, uh, do you want to continue working? Uh, I would see what they wanted. I would see if we could get materials from our vendors. I don't know if uh, all the different various vendors would be able to ship and deliver goods. So there's a couple of things to juggle there. And I, I would wonder how many of our customers are going to be in business in the next week or two. I would make a, a call to every major customer and say, do you want to stay in business? Because my feeling is a lot of the small glass shops will close. They're uh, looking at their safety. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go in people's homes or people's businesses. Right. So it flows up from the glass shop to the fabricator and then to the national suppliers of materiel. Uh, what I would do for this gentleman in this case is I would call my customers and say, we're going to close out of abundance of caution for our workers. When we open up, we want you to know that our goal was safety and not just profits. And we want you to come back then. Good point. I would think that most people will respond to that in a positive way. I would hope so. Right. Same here. And, and you know, Paul, you, you bring up a really good point, too, because uh, I'm sure this is, you know, as tough a time as it is for a business owner or manager of a fabricator. It's just as tough for employees of a company because everybody's being bombarded with all this information. No one knows if things will be better or if it really is a really is as bad as they say and if jobs will be around what what kinds of things would you do um, with and for your employees during this time well last night changed everything when the Senate passed this new economics bill where employees can get up to four months of full wage reimbursement through unemployment uh, I would I would have begun paying our employees somewhat of a limited amount uh, immediately if if we laid them off. Uh, now with this new federal program, uh, they will be well protected, and I'm pleased that that is going to go through. Uh, there are employees who would also need special monies because oh, maybe we're going to be the responsible ones and help them, but their spouse may not be. Mm-hmm. And we would look at that very carefully uh, in the long run, saying if we take care of our people, they will take care of us by making the best glass. And that was always my philosophy. Mm-hmm. You're definitely thinking 20 steps down the road and not just five steps for sure. Yes. Thank you. 
Um, what would you do if you found out that, um, you know, an employee or two did test positive and in the plant for the virus? Are there any particular steps you would take at that point that are different than other steps? Uh, I would immediately uh, get, if it's possible, get testing for the rest of the employees. I don't think that's possible. Uh, 99% odds, thinking about it, I would close at that point. Mm-hmm. We cannot risk getting more people sick. Mm-hmm. Good to know. So you feel that if it's in the plant, you would need to close, at least for the 14 yes. days and, anyway, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's easy for me to say that, but I work there too, or I would have mm-hmm. worked there. I don't right. want to bring it home to my family. Right. That's a very good and point too. Even though our plant was 100,000 square feet, uh, the air moved around it. We were all walking through different areas all the time. Sure. You can't say, well, they work in laminating, I work in tempering. It doesn't matter. And, of course, it mattered. Yeah, good point. And in in times like these, Paul, um, I I mean – kind of all the time, but especially in times like these, cash is really king and a key to your survival. So what types of things or conversations would you have with your vendors who I'm sure are also hurting? Uh, What do you think would be the best way to speak with them at this time? I would be very candid with them and they know the score out here. I would call our vendors and say, uh, you know the score of what's going on. I'm going to be 45 days late this month, this pay period. Because we're not getting the cash inflow we need, and we're going to take care of our people before we take care of vendors. I bet that the vendors we dealt with would have gone along with that in a heartbeat. They they know that they want to keep us as a customer in the long run as well. And so I take a very long view picture of a situation like this mm-hmm. and say, communicate. Don't just not pay the bill to the vendor communicate, call the local electric utility, call your major cost centers. It might be real estate taxes. Most towns will make you make it so you don't have to pay for a while. Uh, look at your expenses. And if you're not going to be working at all, obviously your, your overhead is going to go way down. But mm-hmm. there's fixed costs mm-hmm. that you do have to pay. You have to keep your insurance up. Uh, you've got to keep uh, your your fleet well organized and ready to go out to work. It's a good time to do maintenance as well when you're down. That's but, a good point. But communication to the vendors is the key thing when we talk about cash. Good point. And, and you know, speaking of cash, one of the things that I heard is that a number of regional fabricators, when this first began on Monday, although I think a number of them have rescinded this, um, went right to CO, right to COD terms for all their customers, no matter what. What do you think about that kind of as a strategy for getting through something like this? If I were a customer, I would never go to that vendor again. If I kind of what open, I was thinking, <laughs> so, <laughs> I was curious of your view. Yeah. If I was on open account with you, and suddenly you're there and want COD, I can understand your need but you don't understand mine. Mm-hmm. And therefore we don't agree in life. Yeah. Well, I, I think the fact that I heard that so many of those were rescinded within a day or two, sort of the market was sort of speaking. <laughs> so that, that message got through. 
Uh, so, Paul, is there anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners um, as far as what they should look out for or uh, what should what they should keep in mind uh, as we go through this? Well, uh, Chris, that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, a lot of our glass industry is an emergency basis. A glass breaks in a storefront. That needs to be fixed. So we need to be knowledgeable of that. And if we're in a state that is a shelter in place, get permission from law enforcement or whoever from the retailer's point of view to be able to go out on emergencies. We Let the phones ring at your home if you own a glass shop. And then call a temperer or a fabricator who will do you a rush job uh, if there's one in your region and be prepared to do that. Now, if you're going to do, do that kind of work, it's, you're entitled to a few extra nickels in that, in that charge to the vendor. You're going out of your way. Uh, you're paying your employees maybe a premium to come in. So don't be afraid to charge the value of what that is right now. But if somebody says, I'm at home and I want you to replace a mirror, I wouldn't take that job right now. As, as a retailer and as a fabricator, I would not want my customers to take those jobs and expect me to be there polishing a mirror. That's good advice, Paul. Good, All of it was good advice. And we greatly appreciate you having been our guest today uh, and taking a look at it from the fabricator view. Thank you so much. And I hope that we're back in touch again to be comparing notes on who won the Mets Nats opener there. All right. Deborah, thank you very much. Chris, thank you very much. And I wish you good health and safety. You as well. Thanks, Paul. We have a few announcements today, March 26th. Cindy Sims reports the Diamond Fusion's headquarters in Irvine, California is still operating. And although with a skeletal staff, they are still getting orders out daily. Cindy says they were fortunate enough to get three orders for their new machine, and they are working daily with their manufacturer to ensure that they meet installment deadlines. They are also emailing and calling customers to confirm that they have what they need in order to continue to do business. To date, Cindy says her biggest concern is that customers will close their doors and not place any orders. So Diamond is reaching out to see if customers plan to partially stay open, work from home, or completely shutter their doors until the situation ends. The mandate that Pennsylvania had in place closing all glass fabrication facilities was reversed on Friday and, as a result, a number of fabricators have returned to business. One of those is Standard Bent Glass, which is again open for normal operations. Summit Automation also reports that its plant is open and its shipping product and supporting customers. Jim Wright of Ensinger also checked in with us to let us know that all Ensinger Manufacturing plants remain open and that they're continuing to deliver. They've limited visitors, of course, to those essential to continuing operations, and some staff is working from home. Their sales and video teams are also available via video as well, so they are operational and available to help customers. Old Castle Building Envelope, or OBE as everyone knows them, has been declared essential under the Homeland Security Memorandum that's governing this situation. OBE continues to manufacture and deliver, and it also offers a will call under some modified procedures. Uh, OBE was also able to donate a large quantity of masks to healthcare workers. 
And that's our report for today. We thank you for joining us. And we'll be back tomorrow with more information. Stay safe.